and welcome to Too Many Movies, the podcast where we discuss DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. I'm your host, Hal, and let's just jump right into it. I watched through Stranger Things Season 4. That's right, in my Stranger Things rewatch, it's led up to this. Watching Stranger Things Season 4. Um... And it's funny that I I was thinking about this when I was partway through season four. I was like, you know, I rewatched all the seasons to kind of like finalize my thoughts on them. But I mean, season five doesn't come out for another two years. Like I'm probably going to have to rewatch everything for when season five comes out. Um, But I think at the beginning of my rewatch, if I had to think that, I definitely would have been like, oh, I'm never watching these seasons again. Like, this is too much. Like, I'm not going to do that again. But, and maybe to be fair, this is straight up Stockholm Syndrome at this point with this series. But in any case, I don't hate Stranger Things. I've come to realize. I get annoyed with it. I do get semi-angry with it sometimes but overall it's not a bad show and i can't really say it's the worst thing i've ever seen like as much as i complained in my seasons two and three analyses like there's still things i liked about those seasons whether the cinematography the music some of the performances some neat ideas from like the sci-fi fantasy and horror elements that were shown it's like there were good elements to the show. I just think there are those aspects to it that kind of drag it down a bit. And so I'm not that impressed. And season four, I kind of realized that. So I'm just going to say it. Season four, was it any good? Um, it was fine. So obviously with season three, I was left kind of bitter whether the first watch through of season three back in 2019, I was extremely bitter with it. I was like, oh, this this show sucks now. And then upon my rewatch of season three, I'm just like, yeah, this is still not a great season of television. Um, so I was not really looking forward to season four. I was hearing that it was better than season three, and that gave me a sliver of hope. Like, oh, great. Something good. And so, upon watching it, do I think it's better? Yes, it is better than Season 3. I'll go as far as to say it was better than Season 2, making Season 4, yes, officially the second best season of Stranger Things. And I think that's for a multitude of reasons. One, this is probably the season I've been least annoyed with so far uh, behind Season 1. Like, I... I think that has to do with the fact that I'm kind of used to what the show is doing. Like, it's just going all out at this point. So I'm like, you know what? Fine, do it. Go all out. Be stupid. So, like, a lot of the stuff that usually annoyed me just didn't. It's like, oh, these stereotypical bully characters. Yeah, they suck. But, like, I don't know. Angela left the show after episode three. She was never seen again. And we barely saw Jason. So it's like, okay whatever like whatever the russian stuff was kind of contained to like its own subplot and i was like okay cool that's cool like that's all we get and it's confined in russia so it makes sense that all this russian stuff would be there in russia it's like okay sure i don't particularly like these things but like at least it's 
contained well. And I think that also has to do with the fact with this is a very long season. Every episode is basically a movie, um, which is fine. I mean, I'm not one to complain about length in anything. Like, when it comes to very long movies, I don't usually complain if they're, like, very long. I usually complain if the pacing is off or stuff like that. I don't care about length as long as it lives up to its length. And Stranger Things Season 4, it's maximalist. That's the best way to put it. It's like going all out and just filling every second with something. So... I was never bored with season four. There was a lot of dumb stuff in between these hour-long, hour-and-a-half-long episodes, but I was never bored because I'm like, okay, it's either really interesting or it's really funny. So that I never minded. I never minded the length, even with the last episode being two and a half hours. Like, it's insane, the the length of the last episode i think it's around the same length as the last jedi like it's it's insane the amount of minutes that take up that episode but i was never bored i was always kind of intrigued and i think that really ties into the fact that this season has a bit of a mystery to it and i like that i like that this season has a mystery to it similar to how the first season had a mystery and i I watched the Cosmonaut Variety Hour video on season four, and that's what he was describing it as. He said, like, oh, you know, this season for the first time since the first season has, like, a genuine mystery. Like, you don't know where it's necessarily going. And I agree. Like, that's one of the reasons why I was so intrigued with this season. I'm like, oh, I want to know who Vecna is. I want to know what's the deal with all these characters dying. Like, I was interested with seasons two and three, I was never really in the dark with anything. Like, it was like every aspect of the season was kind of looked upon. Whereas here, I don't know who Vecna is. I don't know who these other characters are. We're trying to, like, you know, we're trying to discover that. We're just as clueless as the main characters are. Whereas in the other two seasons, it's like we could see the characters being clueless, but we know what's going to happen. Like, we're just like, all right, well, you're just idiots. <laughs> it's like, this isn't engaging stuff. Um, and so that's, now, now here's the thing. Is it a good mystery? Sort of. It, it, it is very derivative of Nightmare on Elm Street with like, you know, killing off teenagers. It's like, yeah, we've seen that with Nightmare on Elm Street. We've seen that in any slasher, really. Um, and the reveal so spoilers for stranger things season four vecna the main villain turns out to be uh one or the first uh child that matthew modine's character experimented on which eventually led to 11 you know so he's one which can i just say naming these characters after numbers just does not have the same effect like characters like one and two do not have the same effect as 11 now maybe that's the fact that we're used to 11 being a name but i don't know just one two like it just sounds stupid like if you're gonna say these characters names as numbers at least put like number at the first like number one number two you know maybe that's just the codename kids next door fan in me but still but anyway, so yeah, he's Vecna, and it's... 
not a bad twist. It, I will say I didn't see it coming. I definitely saw it coming that he was the one who killed all the children. So at the beginning of season four, there's the fir- very first scene where uh, like Matthew Modine's character is running through the halls and all these dead children are everywhere. And he and you see Eleven, who's like covered in blood, and he's like, what have you done? And it's like, oh, is this going to reveal that Eleven's like kind of a dark, twisted character? And it's like, I kind of hoped she was, because then it's like, oh, a character with depth, a character who's not just morally good. Like, she has some qualms in her. Isn't that interesting? No, that's not at all what happened. It's revealed that one was the one who killed all those children, and it, and just and then she sentenced him to the upside down, and she was just so happened to be covered in blood, and it just looked like that she did it. Oh, we really tricked the audience on that one. It's like, okay, I mean, okay, fine. Like, if you're not gonna have Eleven kill the children, fine. If you're going to have one do it, that's fine. Like, that's not the part that annoys me. The part that annoys me is that you kind of just pulled the rug on in the first place. It's like, all right, so clearly you don't want to experiment with Eleven as a character. You just want to make her good. In which case, okay, that's fine. Then make her just good. But then don't pretend that you're not doing that. Don't pretend that you're just tr- that you're trying to add a dimension to her because you clearly don't want to do that. And that has to do with the fact that Stranger Things just does not want to make you question how good or bad these characters are. They just want you to be like, oh, these are good characters. These are bad characters. Eleven, Mike, Hopper, Joyce, fucking Max, Lucas, Dustin, Steve, Nancy, like all those characters. Any main character is a good guy. Characters like Jason, Angela, Vecna, uh, Russian guards who are not the Russian characters who get speaking roles. Those are obviously the bad guys. They are to remain bad guys. The only character who has ever transcended between good and bad is Steve Harrington. Steve Harrington started off as a douchey villain antagonist, and then he became a good guy. But that's it. Like, that is the only character anybody has ever questioned the morals of. And then he transcended those morals and became a good guy in what could have been better written. But for what it was, it was fine. It's like, okay, you're at least attempting to make a character who could have just been a stereotypical douchebag and make him a little more interesting. But that's it. That is the only character who got that treatment. Jason is another stereotypical douche. And guess what? He's a stereotypical douche. Angela is a stereotypical bitch. Guess what? She remains a stereotypical bitch. She doesn't even come back in the in the in the, se- in the series. Which okay, I didn't really want to see her again anyway because I found her annoying. But like, I don't know. Make these more interesting characters. Make the good guys a little bad. Make the bad guys a little good. So then, guess what? There's a little more dynamic. There's a little more spice to these characters. Like you don't. you don't often know what choices they're going to make. Like, I want to see characters go bad. I don't want to see bad characters go good. It's like, make it interesting. Make me not expect these characters to make these weird choices. Maybe that's just me because I'm watching through The Sopranos currently, and 
I don't know who's supposed to be the morally good guys and the morally bad guys because everybody in that show is a piece of shit. But that's what makes that show interesting. I don't always know who to side with or I'm always siding with different characters. It's great. It makes it much more interesting to watch as a show. In any case, Stranger Things Season 4... I, like I said, it's not a bad season. It, in fact, it is the best one out of the bunch after one. Like, if we're talking about Stranger Things postseason one, and, and as I've said, I'm not really a fan of it continuing, but if it had to have continued, I'm glad we got season four. Because, like, it really does feel like the show's just kind of doing whatever the fuck it wants now. It's having reveals and having a mystery and just like having characters do these crazy shit it's like okay and it and it goes on for like hours and hours and hours it's like okay fine like fill it to the max with all this maximum effort just all this shit just all these characters all these uh set pieces explosions and and weird cgi running it's just like okay just go all out And that's what they did. They essentially went all out with season four. And I kind of respect it for that. It's still stupid, but it's it's stupid to the max. And I got to respect that. Speaking of Max, Max is uh, not a bad character this season. I actually kind of sympathized with her. Like, this is a character who started off as kind of this annoying, grumbly, uh, socially awkward character and she's still that in this season so she hasn't really changed but like i don't know at least it makes sense because like she lost her brother she's not really doing well financially with her mother it's like okay so now it makes sense why she's this socially awkward loser it would have been more impactful if she was like she wasn't like this from the start but whatever it does lead to some really good scenes with her and yeah it leads to the big running up that hill scene which everybody loves like when i was first watching this show and like the first ep- the first episode has a scene where it plays running up that hill and i was confused i'm like is this really the reason why people are talking about this song like just max walking through the hallway listening to the song but it's like no then it becomes core to the season's like themes it comes it becomes a plot point that song and it's like okay now i know why people are talking about that song because it's actually it's actually a plot point in the show it gets kind of annoying after a while but like i that's the point it's like it's supposed to be replaying and replaying and it's like you get kind of sick of it but i still kind of like that song it's a good song um yeah it's like okay great i really wanted to see a character like this get some depth i can't say it's the greatest depth ever and to be honest i'm kind of pissed where they ended up with her because she ends up dying but then she comes back and is now in a coma it's like all right well again show some balls when writing stranger things like like could you imagine killing off a character like max yeah i think an even bigger like shocking moment would be if they killed off one of the main main cast like if they killed off dustin or if they killed off will it's like yeah that would be intense but like i don't know start off with max like actually kill off max i mean i guess it's fine that she's in a coma because then she'll just come back for season five it's like okay well then at least do something interesting with her still but like i don't know kill her off like 
grow some balls like show that there's weight to the situation you know you just can't do that because like who are the characters who actually did die oh chrissy or chrissy as vecna says uh freddie benson yeah they named a character named freddie benson and i thought that was really funny because all, all i could think was freddie benson from iCarly. uh and then patrick the the other black kid on the basketball team that isn't lucas it's like okay those are the characters who die off at the hands of vecna i don't know any of these characters like yeah we get to spend a little time with them in each episode that they're in but they're not like major characters so when they die i'm like oh that sucks but like if someone like max died i'd be like oh shit like they're trying to do something different like they're actually adding weight to the story like holy shit there's consequences if they don't succeed but it's like no we got to bring her back because you know people are gonna get sad if max dies it's like okay let them get sad like isn't that the point she's in a coma sure why not um newcomer eddie and by newcomer i mean he's already dead yeah they killed off eddie after one season which i mean i didn't hate eddie i thought he was kind of fun for what he did and he was kind of a nice addition to the cast and then they kill him off which is kind of weird because i was kind of thinking they were going to kill off steve because like steve isn't really doing well with his relationships he obviously can't be with robin he obviously can't be with nancy he obviously is being replaced by eddie because eddie and dustin are getting along so there's not going to really be a dustin and steve relationship so it's like okay kill off steve like and he was even saying like oh i had a dream that i was gonna like raise a family in this winnebago and it's just like oh you're a dead man like you can't just say you have a family and then expect to live obviously he did live steve ended up surviving which is kind of weird it's like why wouldn't you kill off steve like isn't that what you would kind of do and then replace him with eddie it's like that would would have been kind of cool but it's like no we're just gonna kill off the new character because we don't feel confident in the new characters we bring on it's like okay it's the same thing with bob it's like why did you bring on this character to then kill off it's like yeah now they're just i don't know now they're just gonna be like emotional moments for the characters because joyce felt emotion that now that bob is dead it's like okay well you only knew him for like a year same with eddie it's like you only knew this character for like a year technically and now they're just dead it's like okay i don't know why bring these characters along it's it's just it, i don't understand it but you know they're fine with bringing back matthew modine so yes they bring back papa or dr brenner i should say but he's played by matthew modine and all right i wasn't that disappointed i'm like you know what of course they're gonna bring him back like i said this is maximalist dumbassery to the nth degree in this season of course they're gonna bring back a dead character it's like all right fine but they bring him back in such a lazy way he just shows up and Eleven's like, no, oh, you're back. And he's like, yes, I am back. And I'm going to have a soliloquy about how awesome I am. Or I don't even remember what he said, but he was just saying it in such a melodramatic way. It was so stupid. And to add insult to injury, literally, all the last time we saw him, he got eaten. He got his face eaten by a fucking Demogorgon dog. No, he's just, or was it the normal Demogorgon you know what i don't even care he he got his face eaten and like in this season he just has like a slight scar on the side of his head it's like 
fucking Anakin Skywalker had more of a gash on his face than this dude. It's like, come on. Like, really? Ugh, it's so stupid. But whatever. His role in the show makes sense. And I will admit, the last scene he has with Eleven is pretty good. I like how, no matter what, like, he is genuinely, like psychopathic where he's just like yeah like i genuinely believe the stuff i'm saying so it's not a matter of him being evil he's just genuinely so deranged that he believes the shit that he's saying and i like that 11 does make a choice and not forgiving him it's like okay that's cool that's actually very interesting i like that i like that 11 is making a choice and it's not done so in a way where she's just like, you were mean to me, so I'm gonna blah, 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 blah. She just says, goodbye, Papa, walks away. It's like, great, that's great. I love that. That's more of that, more subtlety like that. Like, that shows me that you are writing something interesting. Like, you don't have to explain everything in nitty-gritty detail. Just let a scene play out. Like, fantastic. I like that. That was great. Um, there's really not a whole lot else to talk about. Mike and Will and Jonathan were just kind of there. I did like Argyle, but like they were just kind of there during the climax and they didn't really do anything, which I get it. You have like a billion characters. You can't have them all be doing something at the same time. It's like, I get it, but I don't know. They could have done something, whatever, nitpicky stuff. Um, Hopper and Russia... Joyce and Murray shenanigans, whatever. Erica wasn't that annoying. She actually played kind of a part in the show. So it's like, okay, like, yeah, she's at least not annoying. Robin, I tolerated sometimes. Other times she was more annoying this season than she was last season. Like there were parts where it was her and Nancy and I was more tolerable of Nancy. And that has never happened in the history of the show. Like I always don't like Nancy, but like, for the first time, Robin would just go on and on in scenes that are supposed to be funny, and I'd just be like, oh, I'm siding with Nancy on this one. Like, she finds you annoying. Like, shut the fuck up. And I get it. Like, it's supposed to be like, oh, isn't it quirky that she just keeps talking? It's like, yeah, but it's not. So I guess to wrap up, because there's really not a whole lot to say about it other than I did have fun. I had fun. It was stupid. It was dumb, but I had fun. It was entertaining. I was like excited to see where it was going next. So is it something I would own on Blu-ray? Well, no, because Netflix, again, is not doing this anymore. So, but here's the thing. Would I watch it again? Sure. Like, I think I'm going to go back and actually admit that as much as I don't like seasons two and three, there are things that I did like about them, so much so that I probably would watch them again. I think, like I said, it might just be Stockholm Syndrome at this point. Like, I'm kind of forcing myself to like it because I've gone this far. But I think there is something to this show. I think it is mindless entertainment. And there's nothing wrong with that every once in a while. Like, I could watch through Stranger Things again. I'm realizing there are things from the MCU that I would never watch again. Like, I would sooner watch through Stranger Things all the way through again and again over some MCU products, over the DCEU. Like, I'll say that. I'll watch the entirety of Stranger Things again and again over the entirety of the DCEU. Like, 
when it comes to like mainstream garbage that Hollywood will just shit out, like, and I won't say Stranger Things is shat out, like, it genuinely feels like efforts put into the show. It's just, you know, the writing could be a little better. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not that bad. Have I been harsh to it? Yes, absolutely. But these are, you know, millionaire celebrities putting on a dumb show. I don't think, I don't think one idiot 24-year-old recording a podcast is going to change anything. Like, what? who cares what I think about Stranger Things? It's like, I still like it somewhat, but I can be harsh to it, but whatever. Like, it's just one opinion. Anyway, as for season five, I will definitely be watching it, but that's a couple years away, so I'm not even thinking about that right now. So we'll just, we'll get there when we'll get there. <laughs> um, but I am curious to see how it ends, whether it ends really well or really poorly. You know what? It could go either way, and I won't care. Like, it'll be what it'll be. But that's a couple years away. Let's think about the now. And now I'm going to move on to a movie I wanted to talk about today. So for those of you familiar with this podcast, you know at the beginning I always say uh, this is a podcast where we talk about DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. Unfortunately, I have not talked about a VHS tape. I mean, like I said, if you want to be technical, uh... When I talked about the Stranger Things Blu-ray pack, like that's in the shape of a VHS tape, so you could be technical about that one. But I think if you want to be actually legit, then today's the day. Today we are talking about our very first VHS tape on the podcast. So what VHS tape did I choose? Well, I'm glad you asked. I chose my copy of to Have and Have Not, which is part of the Humphrey Bogart collection. Um, yeah, what, what a choice that was. So my history with this VHS tape is we obviously growing up, we had the different kinds of blue, the different kinds of DVDs and uh, VHS tapes in my house. We had the stuff that I could watch and my siblings could watch, and we had the stuff that my parents were mostly into. Um, and this was kind of part of the collection that I rarely ever saw. So like that collection was like in the tapes that I wanted to watch, but couldn't because it was stuff like The Breakfast Club and Pink Floyd's The Wall and Ren and Stimpy, like stuff I couldn't watch because my mom didn't allow me. And this was part of that because it's like, why the hell would like a little kid be into a Humphrey Bogart movie? And I'm glad I waited until now to watch this movie so I could judge it for what it is through the lens of an adult. And uh, as an adult, I can safely say this is definitely a movie starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Um, I'm just going to say it. I was not a fan of To Have and Have Not. It was quite... Um, it was quite derivative of a little movie that I've mentioned on this podcast before, Casablanca. So, obviously, last episode I talked about A Night in Casablanca and... and you know, how that has had a lot of connections to Casablanca since, I mean, that was part of par for the course at that time. Like Casablanca was like a huge, huge hit around the early forties. So of course, a lot of movies were going to try and cash in on that hype. Um, 
Obviously, that movie did so by having the Marx Brothers visit Casablanca. This movie takes the main actor of Casablanca and puts him in another movie uh, and try to have the same effect of Casablanca by making it a love story. It takes place during the war. It takes place in a, a foreign country. It's like... It's very, very derivative of Casablanca. And I'm not saying that in the same way, like I said, The Mouse That Roars or whatever the fuck that movie was called is very derivative of Dr. Strangelove because like that was just the DVD kind of heavily implying uh, that The Mouse That Roared is similar to Dr. Strangelove because of Peter Sellers' political comedy and the fact that Dr. Strangelove had a trailer on that DVD. This VHS tape is very shameless about its connections about this movie's connections to Casablanca. I'm just, let me read this. Help the free French, not world-weary gun runner Harry Morgan, Humphrey Bogart, but he changes his mind when a sultry siren in distress named Marie asks, anybody got a match? We're just getting warmed up. That red-hot match is Bogart and 19-year-old first-time film actress Lauren Bacall. Oh, she was 19. You know how old Humphrey Bogart was? They don't tell you on the back of this box. Humphrey Bogart was 45 years old at that time. <laughs> Which, okay, they're two consenting adults. I just think it's a little weird that that, ad, that age gap is that big. But whatever. It doesn't take away from the movie. Full of intrigue and racy banter, including Bacall's legendary whistling instructions. Oh yeah, I remember that scene when she said you pucker your lips and blow apparently that was a sultry scene back in the 40s Woo! this thriller excites further interest for what it has and has not oh i get it it's like the title except not really cannily directed by howard hawks and smartly written smartly written by william faulkner and jules firthman it doesn't have much similarity to the Ernest Hemingway novel that inspired it. Um, and that's a good thing? I mean, I'm all for adaptations being their own thing, but like, uh, pff, why connect it to Ernest Hemingway in general then? And it strongly resembles Casablanca. Oh, see, that's the part I was tra talking about. They're so shameless. They're just like, oh, remember Casablanca? Well, you'll like this movie. It's like... Yeah, I like Casablanca. Guess what? I like Casablanca. That does not automatically mean I'm going to like this movie. Anyway. French resistance fighters, a piano-playing bluesman, Hoagie Carmichael. Oh, yeah. The the piano player who's not black, but whatever. And a Martin Teak bar, much like Rick's Cafe American. But first and foremost, it showcases Bogart and Bacall, carrying on with a passion that smolders from the tips of their cigarettes clear through to their souls. Man, oh man, do they just... Does this box just love this movie? I wish I did, but I don't. So, yeah, th this is so shameless in trying to cash in on Casablanca. It's like, alright, I get it. It's very similar to Casablanca. Guess what? I prefer Casablanca because Casablanca was trying to be its own thing. It was trying to be a story about uh, Humphrey Bogart's character and 
I don't, being during set the war it's it's been a while since i've seen casablanca but in any case like i know i prefer it because it was it was cool like it was a genuinely good movie it had great performances great acting great writing like it was a fun movie well no it wasn't fun but it was good it was a good movie like i remember liking it because it was a genuinely good experience this like I said, is very derivative of Casablanca. It's trying so hard to cash in on that Casablanca hype. So clearly, Hollywood has just been so shameless this whole time. This is not a new thing where Hollywood's trying to cash in on nostalgia. Like, they're, they've been doing this shit since forever, it seems. It's so sad, because as I was watching this movie, all I was thinking was, man, I could be watching Casablanca, but I'm not. I'm instead watching a movie that wants you to think you're watching Casablanca, but you're not. You're watching to have and have not. What the fuck does that even mean? What the fuck does that have to do with the story? It doesn't. It literally, you could have named this literally anything else. You could have named it Harry Morgan. You could have named it Bogart and Bacall. You could have named it literally anything. You could have called it fucking... Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank, it would have made more sense. Like, it just, it has no bearing whatsoever. It's so annoying. It It's not even that bad of a movie. Like, again, it's just incredibly derivative of Casablanca. And I don't like when a movie is trying to cash in on another movie. It's like, well, then you have nothing to offer then. Like, why should I watch you just because you know that this other movie is popular? It's just so annoying great first movie to be the first vhs tape on this podcast am i right uh whatever it's not a terrible movie if you're into casablanca you'll probably like this but i am into casablanca but only casablanca like i would rather watch that movie again because that movie has a story to tell it has its own personality it's trying to be its own thing whereas this is trying to be something else and it's not a bad version it's just i just don't care i really just don't care for it i don't care i don't i like humphrey bogart i like lauren bacall but i like them when they're in other stuff like i'd rather watch other stuff that they're in that's not trying to cash in on a more successful movie this isn't the worst thing I've seen that's derivative of another thing, but that doesn't mean that it's any good. It's just fine. There's really not much to it. It is what it is. This is a pretty decent VHS tape. It is in good quality, considering the fact I never watched it as a kid, so my parents never watched it. We just had it. That's it. Like, it just lied around in drawers for 20 years. And so now that I've watched it, it's in pretty good condition, but I don't know. I feel like it can be in somebody else's hands so that they can experience it because maybe they'll get something out of it. I'm not going to get anything out of it. So this should just not stay in my collection at all. Um, but for anybody who does eventually get their hands on it, good news. I rewinded it uh, before taking it out of the player. Yeah. So when you watch it, you don't have to rewind it. I'm not an asshole. I actually be kind and rewind. So, but in any case, this is not staying in my collection. I don't ever feel like watching it again. 
if anything, it just makes me realize I need to get Casablanca on Blu-ray and I need to add that to my collection. But that's a whole episode for another time. We're not going to get into that. Just know that to have and have not, not staying in my collection, so you can just kiss this VHS tape goodbye. Okay, I'd say that just about does it, but now I'm just going to wrap things up. Um, As I said last episode, uh, October's right around the corner. It's nearing ever so closely. And so I'm going to be reviewing every single Halloween movie this October. I'm going to do it in two different episodes, unless I can't. Uh, That's the plan, though. Two different episodes of Halloween movies. Hopefully... That plays out the way it does. If it doesn't, well, I'll I'll let you all know. But as far as I'm concerned, expect two episodes on the Halloween movies this coming October. Also, I have a very special episode planned for later in October. Uh, I won't reveal anything. All I know is that it's going to contain me, maybe a couple of guests, and we're going to be talking about a trilogy. And it's going to be fun, I hope. Uh, but I'm not going to reveal anything just yet just because we're still in the planning stages of it but expect a very big and special episode on a trilogy of movies later in october um and as for other episodes maybe i'll do one in between the halloween two-parter and the very special episode at the end maybe not i do plan on a couple of episodes after in november and into december But for the most part, I try not to schedule anything because, I mean, I just so have so many movies that it would just make more sense to just do what I feel like, you know. But, I mean, sometimes I have to schedule stuff because there's stuff I want to talk about. There's stuff that I want to talk about with other people. So I kind of have to schedule it. But as far as I'm concerned and as far as any of you are concerned, just know that things are going to be made. I don't know in what order, but hopefully in the order that I want them to be in. But if not, it is what it is. So, all right, that actually does it. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. But now it's time to say goodbye. And always remember, when you're running up that hill, you'll be running up that road. Um, uh, You know, that's the song that they play in season four. Chrissy, I don't like that! (laughs)